la la la. Welcome to Art Crush International, the podcast for art lovers who wish they could travel. I'm Josephine Berdens. And I'm Sveve Kander. And together we take you into the artist studios of the world, because sometimes artists can make you think about things differently. Like, like what? What can an artist make you think about differently? Literally everything. Stop asking questions. Svea, who do we have a crush on today? Today we have a crush on a French man, an NPR music host, a poet, and Kathy Halstead. So basically everybody at Tippet Rice. Yes, it's true. <laughs> so please tell us, what's Tippet Rice? Uh, Tippet Rice is a sculpture park, or a really nice restaurant, or a film center, or a concert hall, or an artist residency. In fact, it is all of those things. And it's in a town called Fishtail in the Beartooth Mountain Range of Montana. That sounds just amazing. Who are the indigenous people of that area? So Fishtail is a place where several tribes have had common hunting grounds. The Crow, Blackfeet, Pendore, and Salish have all had hunting grounds there. Before we head there, can you tell people where they can see images of this place while they listen? Yes, of course. They can check out some images at the latest post on our website, artcrushinternational.org. Excellent. Let's go. Okay, allons-y. I mean, the intensity, the, the investment of soul and mind and ideas and energy that went to this project is, and it feels like giving birth. I had the exact same feeling uh, of embracing humanity uh, as when um, we gave birth to my first daughter. It was the exact same feeling I had. Most artists don't have much money, and their work is small by necessity. It fits into storage lockers or on the walls of their buyers to be sold at craft fairs. But every once in a while, an artist gets rich, or people with a lot of money happen to be artists. When this happens, it's kind of amazing. Because when artists have money, they don't stop working, they don't retire early, they keep making their work, they just make it bigger. That's what's happened at Tippet Rise. Tippet Rise is an 11,000 acre sculpture park bordering millions of miles of parkland along the Beartooth mountain range of Montana. It's a non-profit but entirely privately funded. The people who run it are artists, designers, and musicians. They've got the kind of budget most arts workers can only dream of. And so they're doing big things. Their center opened in the summer of 2016. It contains monumental sculpture, work by Mark de Suvereau, Alexander Calder, Doherty, and others. It has an immense concert hall. It has a band shell. It has an artist residency building decorated in tasteful earth tones. It aims to join the ranks of Storm King and the Chinati Foundation, drawing visitors to experience looming abstracted sculpture in a rugged natural landscape. After camping overnight in Yellowstone National Park, my husband and I paid a visit to the bison 
and drove highways and side roads to get to Tippett Rise, which is in the small ranching community of Fishtail in Montana. The first person we meet on our arrival is the center director, Albain Bessue. I spent a few hours with Albain as he drove me from one sculpture to another. Describing him for her piece in Surface magazine, Rachel Syme said that a casting director could not have picked a better character to drop into the center of the Tippett Rise story. With his warm, understated manner and French accent, he is the epitome of an art world stereotype. And yet, he's also a man of contradictions. He drives a beat-up pickup truck. He has two smartphones, one for international calls, but they are both falling apart. When I ask him about the possibility of sculpture being defaced by people putting graffiti on them, First, he gives me the official answer, that they're trying to educate the public, that each sculpture is watched by a docent. But then he tells me the answer that I didn't even realize I was fishing for. He says that if the graffiti isn't too ugly, it might not be a tragedy after all. And if it's a nice graffiti, well, maybe for the better. (laughs) Um, There's a place where graffiti... And he takes me to see the sculptures a spaceship-like wooden structure by Stephen Talaznik, a replica of a nearby one-room schoolhouse with whorls of vine structures growing inside it by Doherty, and an immense metal piece by Marc de Suvero. But the most striking piece is by Ensemble Studios, a heretofore unknown Spanish design duo, a couple, made this piece. It's called Beartooth Portal. It's huge but seems small under the Montana sky. It's two massive slabs of poured concrete leaning against each other like two halves of a clamshell. Sheltering from the wind beneath them, Alban explained to me how they had made the structure. Poured concrete and then captures the, the shape and right. shape of the land as a cast, as a print. Imagine scooping out two wide holes in the sand of a flat beach and then lining those holes with plastic bags and pouring wet sand inside. If this were very good sand, or if you were a very good sandcastle builder, you could eventually pick up those two slabs after they had dried, and perhaps even lean them against each other. Now imagine that they're made of concrete. Now imagine that they're on a mountaintop. And now imagine that they weigh... Half a million pounds, half a million pounds, that's a lot of weight. So we had to bring some of the biggest crane in Montana to tilt those structures. Um, it was very much like a bridge project. But wait, did you catch that? The biggest cranes in Montana? A bridge-like engineering project in this small, unincorporated town of fewer than 500 people? What will the neighbors think? There are people who wouldn't want a tippet rise in their backyard. A branch of the project slated for Colorado had to be cancelled after the neighbors voiced concern for environmental impact and noise. And here in Montana, one neighbor has promised to pick up a megaphone and sing that staple of town hall meetings, Joni Mitchell's big yellow taxi, if she hears music from the concert hall, ever. 
The staff at Tippet Rise don't like to talk about this part. Each one tells me that the neighbors have been surprisingly supportive. I spoke with Beth F., a woman visiting the center for the first time that day. And she says it's a bit of both. It's funny because as we were driving here, my husband said, well, there's the neighbors, I guess, that have an issue with all the trucks and the who live on the route that the trucks all drove into and out of day after day as they were constructing the place. And then there's the other set of neighbors who weren't impacted by any of that. And so there's this huge positive side. Uh, and it's not I wouldn't call it negative. They were just impacted. I used to live in the country, and I can understand why people would be upset at having so much change brought into their lives. The people coming in to see Tippett Rise, after all, are not mostly from Montana. They're not ranchers. They don't know the land. But one thing I noticed in my day at Tippett Rise was that the people working on the project, in their own way, they do truly love the land. Montana is just its own beauty that's more raw and more enormous and just you absolutely... That's you know, Kathy Frank. Land. And she time, and her husband, um, Peter Halstead, you know, are the brains and the financing behind Tippett Rise. Yeah. Both come from business and banking families and both are artists. They've been married for 36 years and they're the kind of couple who speak in unison, who finish each other's sentences, though he finishes hers more than she finishes his. And when I ask them about this huge project, their newest art center, they just want to talk about each other. We really just thought about all the incredible moving experiences and absolutely astonishing experiences. That we had had. Exactly. And then we really tried to put them, you know, in some way all together. I asked them to describe these magical experiences. Peter tells me two stories involving water. One, running through the sprinklers at Storm King in their 30s. And the other... One day we were at the Venetian Theater and it was raining, and so the Polish pianist, Ivo Pogorelish, said, why doesn't everybody come on stage and listen to me play, because otherwise you're going to get wet, which is very nice. And there are only like 50 people there, maybe 70. So we all went on stage, and he played his concert, and it was the most magical experience we've ever had. And we said, what if we did that all the time? What if we mandated that? Uh, and uh, we Not actually... the rain, but... <laughs> but <laughs> well, I, I have to say there were probably like many, many seeds, many seeds, exactly. And, yeah. and I, I was always in love with art, and I always painted, and I always drew. And Peter really always was, you know, in love with music and with writing. And, and uh, photography. And photography. And I always loved, um, you know, poetry and writing very much. But really, when we fell in love, I fell in love with music. It really, you know, that well, came into my life. And it became, you know, something that just, you know, added so tremendously to everything, you know, that I felt about the world. Well, and when we fell in love, I said, now I have to become a good poet. Now, <laughs> now I have to be worthy of Kathy. Now I have to write something that's uh, worthy of this incredible feeling we have 
Uh, and so it really was very helpful. I'm not saying it happened instantly, you know. But over the next 30 years, progress was made. Not everyone would agree. So Peter is a poet and an enthusiastic one. He does a lot of the writing for Tippet Rise. And in the program guide, he describes music in this way. An essay or a spreadsheet. This is similar to the music of the spheres where the celestial frequencies flow through us to produce special effects. We are the transistors of the heavens. This is some pretty enthusiastic stuff for an art institution, especially when the rest of the art world is saying things like this. Capitalism and the notion of production of subjectivity comes from a philosopher, Maurizio Lazzarato. That's Boyana Kunst, by the way. She's great. She's very smart. But I doubt she would have been so much fun to interview, at least not as much fun as Peter and Kathy. They're not interested in pushing your boundaries the way most of the art world wants to. They just want to make you feel ecstatic. I went to school in New England, uh, and Kathy did too, really. And that's, I guess, the, the breeding ground of transcendentalism and Emersonianism and Thoreau, Walden, uh, you know, Whitman, all of that. And to me, that kind of brisk morning, those variegated colored hills, struck me as the uh, intellectual chrysalis of America uh, and, and the values that I believe, values that we are in danger of losing in our, in our country. But the Northeast is, has closed down a bit. It's not quite the large open land the way it was when I went to school and the way it was when we grew up there. And so we were looking, I think, to find that same intellectual quality of open space uh, somewhere else. And so that's why we looked to Montana, because even Colorado, the space we could see, so much space was going towards developments. And even though you could buy a ranch, and even you could, though you could buy a large ranch in Colorado, you weren't entirely sure that the land around you wouldn't be a development in 10 years. Whereas we found here, the land was inexpensive enough, and the way other people thought was similar to ours, that nobody wanted to see developments. They wanted to see the open plains, the open foothills, the, the big mountains, the big sky. And so it was more simpatico with, with really how we grew up. And the first time um, you know, that P- Peter got here first, and he called me, he found this land, and he called me, and he said, I think you better come up here. And I came up, and seriously, I could like feel it in my cells. Chris O'Reilly is the music director at Tippett Rise. Peter and I studied with the same piano teacher, Russell Sherman, in Boston uh, many years ago. Chris is in charge of curating performances for musicians all around the world, but he has also been doing a bit of the performing himself. He told me about a private concert he put on for the sculptor Mark de Souvereau, who is in his 80s and has two pieces on the property. We uh, brought a very old Steinway that I found in Santa Monica out, and uh, I played the final Schubert uh, B-flat piano sonata for him. Uh, and I understand there was a, a raptor of some sort careening in the background the whole time I was playing. And so in full gaze of the mountains and, and apparently the wildlife. It's unlike any other experience one can imagine. I mean, there, there really is no other place like this. I'm thinking, how did 
I get here? It's David Byrne all over. How did I get this beautiful wife? You know, what happened? At the end of the day, I feel the same. I reunite with my husband. He spent the day exploring the grounds by himself. He spotted a baby rattlesnake sunning itself and six times has been offered a ride in one of the center's solar-powered vans. He always prefers to walk. We join a hundred other people for a concert by Konstantin Lipschitz, the most talented pianist I have ever heard. And then sit down for our Tippet Rise dinner, a locally sourced and organic quail prepared by what may have been a cordon bleu chef and served on a disposable plate that's not made out of styrofoam, but out of a pressed palm frond. As I drink my good white wine in the gentle shadow of a monochromatic, purposely rusted barn building, I do feel like I've entered some alternative aesthete heaven. But I don't feel relaxed. I feel both ecstatically happy and, well, a little unmoored. I'm... I feel tired, cranky. It was all just too much. Too much art, too much music, too much beauty, too much kindness. It's a lot to handle. But apparently, I'm not the only one. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of emotion for one human being. It became very much uh, overwhelming for all of us. Music in this piece is performed by Jenny Chen and the Aerial String Quartet. Alban doesn't really want you to deface the sculptures. He was just joking. Special thanks to Allison Bookbinder and the folks at Tippet Rise. Also to my husband, who read Peter's writing and drove me to Montana. Welcome back from Tippet Rise. I would like some free-range quail on a bamboo plate and to be driven around in a pickup truck by a creative Frenchman, please. Mais oui, mais oui, moi aussi, ma chérie. It was a good time, it was a good time. I can imagine. Where can people find more about Tippet Rise? On our website or on Instagram, where they are tippet.rise, that's T-I-P-P-E-T dot R-I-S-E, and of course in the show notes. I think also they have a podcast, I'm not sure, but I think it's called My Life in Machines, and it's about all the machines that the founder, Peter Halstead, has loved. Cool. Yes, really like <laughs> I actually really love that curatorial concept. I think that's amazing. And there's another podcast that I want to recommend, too. If you want to listen to an excellent podcast that covers Indigenous lives in Montana, I highly recommend checking out Stolen by Connie Walker. It's a Gimlet podcast, so it's only on Spotify, and it follows the life of a very young Indigenous woman. She's a mother of two, has been missing for two years. Her name is Germaine Charlot. Stolen's a really great show. You should check it out. Oh, wow. That sounds really interesting. Thank you so much for sharing. I'll check it out. What do we have next? The beautiful online thing. Josephine, for your bot today, I would like to take you to a den of wolves. 
great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to look at a wolf live cam. So click the link I sent you. Everybody else is in your show notes. Mm-hmm. And you should see a wolf. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, you do see a wolf, but it's it doesn't seem like it's a camera. No, it seems like it's a video. So we are supposed to be live viewing. Are we live viewing this one up at the top? The one that's it's just a picture of a wolf sleeping? Is it sleeping? <laughs> I see one standing up. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. Why are we watching different oh, wolves? Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Now I see one. I had to click play. Oh, look at how peaceful it is. Oh, it's, yeah, look. Oh, it just woke up. It just woke up because you said that. Oh, my God. I think the thing I'm seeing is like going a little slow because the wolf is still sleeping. You didn't see it just wake up? Like just like open its eyes a little bit? No. Oh, it's like moving its ears and opening its eyes. Now it's moving its head. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now he's waking up. Hello there. <laughs> so he's not like, I don't know why I think it's a he. Maybe it's a she, but she's not like doing anything. She's no. just like relaxing on the snow. Yeah. So you can check out these wolves anytime. It's a 24-hour day cam at this wolf sanctuary. The camera overlooks a pack of wolves living at the International Wolf Center in northern Minnesota. But the thing is, like, with these webcams, (laughs) these live cams, the best part is the community. There's, like, certain people who are really into each cam, and they know each other, and they'll, like, chat in the comments, and then they'll be like, okay, I gotta go, and everyone's like, oh, nice to see you, wolf lover 552, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And they, like, speak like the wolves. Like, this is one here. What part of do not disturb do you not understand? Now let me get back to my fluffy snow pillow. I just think it's really cute. (laughs) If you are, like, tuning into the webcam later on, you can just read all these comments and be, like, completely up to date with the the life of this wolf, like, for 24 hours. Okay, so that is your bot of the week. Perfect. Thank you, Svea. That's our show for today. And who are we going to have a crush on next week? Next week, we will have a crush on Kat Trataris. They are an artist and art handler and general awesome activist organizer person in the Bay Area. You can find Kat Trataris on Instagram under the handle domestic underscore daddy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it's such a good handle. It's like... I don't know, like Dom Daddy definitely sounds like Dominant Daddy, but it could surely just as easily be Domestic Daddy. Yeah, it makes it way more interesting. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So when you get your head start on your crush on Cat Trotaris, you can also connect with us on Instagram. And that's under artcrush underscore international. And thank you for rating and reviewing the show. We just got our first review and it's from someone we don't even know. Stevie Jean 42. Thank you. Unless that's you, Josephine. No, no, it's not. Unless... What does it say? It says the show show is well produced and you don't even have to like art to enjoy it. I think that's amazing. And it reminds me of the highest compliment I got when I was writing a mommy blog, which was that young childless men would read it. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I have succeeded in making these issues interesting to you. Anyway, yes, you do not have to like art to like us. We welcome listeners of all kinds to our crush. Yes, definitely. We do. So you should tell your friends, leave us a review on Spotify or iTunes iTunes and then we'll see you next week. Love ya. Ciao.